Scuba Obsessed is the weekly netcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 169 is recorded live August 22nd, 2013. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson from the west side of Michigan, where we still have a few days of summer left this year. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. A little wet and not getting under the water. Well, that's not the, the greatest. Were you, were you out in the rain? Well, it came down like a torrential Amazon rainforest at downtown at about 2 o'clock. Yeah, I the saw that. Cut. I was uh, sitting in a nice meeting which went on all day, and I, I, I first trying to peek between the blinds of the on the window, noticed a little bit of rain or precipitation coming down, which is really not what we want to see for river conditions. And also joining us this week, we have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm just great. Excellent. And it has been a while. Oh, my gosh. We had another two weeks without a show. It's, it's too many times this year, but I think I'm through it, famous last words. I got a lot of travel booked up or planned throughout the end of the year, so I got to figure out some way where we can still do it. Let's see, was it last? Was it two weeks ago I had to go to Missouri, so I went to Marceline, and then on Wednesday they said, well, why, don't we do, why don't we work tomorrow out of the Kansas City office, which is heading the wrong direction for me. That's just getting farther and farther away. So I did that one, and I, I left uh, Kansas City probably about two or three in the afternoon, and Got home just about 1 a.m., so I guess I could have recorded on the road. Yeah. <laughs> and then last week, uh, we had the youth fair in uh, the Berrien County Youth Fair, the Midwest's largest youth fair, if their advertising is correct. And my son had tickets to the concert, and he wanted me to go with him, so that was Thursday night. So we went and saw the concert, and uh, it was I think it was Rodney Atkins was playing. And I'm not much of a country music fan. My son is somehow. But uh, he was a pretty good entertainer. I have to say he put on a good show and some of the technology they have. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. You know, everybody else is, is singing along with them, and I'm going, gee, look at that screen in the background. I wonder how they do that. So uh, two weeks. Now, I haven't gotten any diving in, but I'm sure you two have, haven't you? Yeah, well, once or twice. <laughs> a day. Today? <laughs> no, a day. Once or twice a day. A day. A day. Well, I, I certainly believe that, uh, and we'll get to that later on the show. I'm sure we'll, that could be half the show. I uh, also want to thank everybody who's in the chat room. Uh, talk shoes acting up tonight. So you didn't get a chance to listen to us live. So we'll try and get this edited as quickly as possible tonight. And so that usually is about one min, about midnight Eastern time. It can vary about 30 minutes either way is when I get the editing done and you'll be able to listen to it. So I uh, apologize for talk shoe, but I've tried everything. I've uh, how, how we do it is we Skype to get everybody together, the miracle of Skype, which that's slowly going downhill. And then we dial into the talk shoe feed. Uh, they've got a, a an analog line that we dial in through Skype. And that appears to not be working. Uh, it says we're connected. We're still currently connected. I'm, I'm hoping at some point maybe it will fix itself, but I can tell just by the interface that it's not, it's not seeing things. So maybe Rich and I need to do some talking and we'll coordinate and come up with a different service. Uh, Rich from Divers Sync. Uh, I know he's had a, f- a few problems where he's had to reschedule. But uh, so that's been going on. And uh, before we get in the news, I just wanted to, you know, uh, gosh, I, I, I hate to even cover this, but we lost a friend of ours in the dive community since we recorded last. Bob Shoemaker, who had formerly been with Talking Scuba, had a dive accident up in Grand Rapids and passed on. So our, our prayers and, wish, and wishes go out to his family and, and friends. He'll, he'll certainly be missed. Lessons learned from that one, though, is don't dive in a hydraulic. Yeah, yeah, they, they did. Uh, the, the finding came out that it was hydraulic related. And, you know, it, it's easy to second guess, especially when there's a tragedy involved. But you, you don't win against 
water. And it doesn't take a whole lot of difference in pressure that you just can't overcome. You've got a large surface area and water coming in certain situations, which, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mac, you've, you've learned about that as a commercial diver, you know, all the different situations. Right. Uh, when I was up in Monroe and you were talking about 20 years ago, uh, the big aspect was rescue of people who go over dams, um, how to get them out safely. And that's where the, my understanding of hydraulics and how they function work. Um, there's actually a very good video of, um, a rescue team trying to rescue somebody in a hydraulic and wound up drowning one of their own members. And they had the right gear. It just, circumstances messed with them. Uh, I've had an opportunity to, to do a hydraulic in scuba, but under controlled environment. And you can dive, dive the area one day and be fine, but if the volume of water increases and you don't realize it, it just sets you up. And it looks like this happened to him also. Yeah, yeah. Bob was a very experienced diver. Uh, right. He was an instructor. He had dove the river many times, and he had actually dove the place he was diving the week before. I remember seeing him post. He yes. had found a cavern underneath the dam and was going back to do some more investigating and surveying. There, he wanted to get the information out because they were in the process of considering removing the dam. Right. The Berrien Springs Dam, we lost a diver there about 15 years ago, uh, and he was hard hat. And he basically found a chamber or a hole in the dam or uh, an area they didn't realize they had that had water going through it, and it got him trapped in it. Uh, again, hydraulics are nothing to mess with. You can dive an area one day, be fine. The current increases, you're not realizing it, and it changes the dynamics tremendously. So bottom line is, if, if you have any choice, don't dive around dam outlets or spillways. Now, when, when, now when you say outlets, so you mean anything uh, like that area, what, 30, 40 feet past the dam? Generally, 30, 40 feet, you're not in the hydraulic. The hydraulic is normally right where the drop-off is. I've seen that expand out 15 feet. There's, I mean, 50-gallon drum in the hydraulic, goes down, comes up, goes down, comes up. 50-gallon drum is a lot of buoyancy. Yeah, because, I mean, that would be one of the things you'd say is why couldn't somebody just pump some air in their buoyancy? But if it's doing that to a drum, right? you, know, you, you don't have that in your in your BC. You're not going to make it. And once that regulator gets out of your mouth, uh, you're, you're really screwed. And when you first get it, you're going to be disoriented. You're going to be upside down. If you hit your head, all bets are off. Yeah, there's, there's so many things that can happen. Yeah, stay away from dams and uh ways. Yeah. Now, are there other uh, structures, since we're on the topic, that can have a similar effect? Like, uh, I've always oh, been leery yeah. of abutments, not the abutments, but uh, like the piers in a in a bridge. Yeah, the same way there. Uh, actually, when I finish my book, I have all that explained with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's true. That you got to watch out for the front part of the, of the abutments where the water is coming to the... Uh, to bridge post or railroad trussle, because uh, one, you can get pressed up against it and can't get out. Uh, you have debris collecting there like you would not believe, both in the front and the aft end, so your snag hazard increase, is increased tremendously. Uh, little items like even in the river we're diving. Now, we dove it the other way. Jim has some really nice pictures. You look at the pictures, it's like, wow, this is great. Well, five months ago, that was a flood area, and the water was up all the way past the bathrooms up by that fence. So you could not have dulled that area and survived no. four months ago. No. Not, and, and not, there's even time. Counting, not even counting the, the obstructions, the lousy visibility. The current is that fast. And, and down where we were diving, anytime you have an obstruction on the bottom, you have a current around that obstruction. It can be a positive or a negative. It can either suck you into something or blow you away from it or draw you back into it. Uh, St. Clair River or uh, Blue Water Bridge up there. There are sections there that will take you out, bring you, and do a 360 and bring you back in. If you try to swim against it, you're going to get tired, you're going to get exhausted, and you're going to get yourself in trouble. One, if you can't stay out of it, you go with it and try to get to the surface. And, you know, like in a riptide, you swim parallel, you don't try to go against it, you swim with it in parallel, and then try to edge yourself to the shoreline. 
So, um, I mean, I guess it goes without saying, you got to be careful. Absolutely. So before you get in the river, make sure you got proper training, that you've got, you know, the right gear and you understand the conditions. Because even though it's been safe one time, it might not be the next. Yeah, and when in doubt, don't. Yeah, I mean, that's that. You have that choice not to go in. Well, we missed it, but uh, six days ago was National Rum Day, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that today, the Thursday after National Rum Day is National Rum Podcasting Day. So, do you have to dress up like the guy in the hat does? I, I'm guessing not, but it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, now you you just mentioned the uh, Clare River. This next article we have is a scuba diver tries to sneak eight pounds of marijuana into the U.S. And this is interesting because when we were there two years, three years ago, every time we went in, it wasn't the Department of Homeland Security then, but I don't know which force it was. Every place we went, he'd move his car and follow us. <laughs> and when we got out, he came down to see what we were doing. And we thought part of it was security for the bridge, which part of it is. If they had their way, they would block that bridge off. That you couldn't even swim near it, take your boat near it. Ain't going to happen because there's too much traffic. But he was actually looking and mentioned that the possibilities and probabilities, and basically it happened before, they caught people swimming from Canada under the water, delivering their goods. Ah. So this is pretty cool. So it really does happen. Yeah, so so what he did is it was a, a Canadian scuba diver. Um, and if you look at the photos, he's got a PVC container with rings on the end. And it looks pretty professionally made. It doesn't look like something that he came up with. It looked like something he almost bought. It's, he's got the, the cap has uh, some sort of gasket, but it looks about three inches in diameter. And then they had little baggies with, uh, they're saying is marijuana in it. The street value was $40,000. It happened on 1 a.m. Monday. U.S. border agents were notified by the St. Clair County dispatch that a person swimming across the river near Marine City. Dispatch had called from someone who spotted the swimmer. Remote surveillance videos helped confirm the, t- confirm the tip. Uh, a camera operator at the National what, Air National Guard Base in Harrison Township relayed to the agents on the ground that the swimmer appeared drone? to be towing a dry bag used by divers. Yeah. Can you say drone? They're not used in, the, in this country, by the way, right? Military doesn't do that. No, no. Of course not. I, I mean, that's what I've been told, and I'm sure that's true. My government official would not lie to me on purpose. Oh, of course not. Huh, but, but, yeah, you, you do. It says surveillance camera. I just kind of pictured that they had stuff built into the bridge. And that's <clears throat> yeah. just monitoring it. But why would it be a Air yeah, National Guard so, that's doing that? Yeah. But he obviously wasn't underwater if he was torn a dry bag. No. I'm thinking that he did, he wasn't that uh, experienced of a diver because it seemed like you'd want to go deep. Um, I read one article where they, they were saying that they probably actually saved his life because he could have easily gotten uh, hit by a boat. If he's on the surface, he deserved to get hit by a boat. We used to take scooters in the old days, and you'd scooter from one side to the other and back, but you normally get it by the bridge because you're looking for something. Right. But this guy obviously was on the surface, so I don't know what the use of the scuba gear was. It could have been one of those things where he, he had a plan or and chickened out. Well, I think the item I'd have had is a cord that whenever I saw the cops, I'd have let go of it. If he'd have been yeah. in the water, that thing's gone, and they'd never have found it. That's very fast current. Yeah. Well, I, I remember, uh, who's that uh, University of Michigan river diver? I'm trying to. I'm probably mixing up my stories, but it seems like I remember him talking about that he he stopped even going diving in Canada because uh, just all yes, the hats. Right, I know who you're talking about, and I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. Yeah, it, and uh, that was that case. They tried to sandbag him by saying, "Make him do a job." Yeah, yeah. Somebody had said they dropped their keys or their sunglasses, right. and could he go get it? And he said he couldn't. And if it, had he done it, they were going to nail him for like green card or something. Yeah, you know, he didn't have right. a permit to work. Right, out of a different country. Yeah. So, uh, would do that either, do you? Deliberately trap somebody like that? Yeah, no, no, of course not. I, I, that doesn't seem sort of fair like that. Yeah, so next up we have a scuba club in Britain wins top 
scuba aqua diving gong. Never really considered a gong as a prize. They said the club with more than 100 members won the Heinke Trophy because of its commitment to further interest of its members. The club, which was founded in 1950, meets socially every Wednesday and Friday in the clubhouse at Hinsky Pool. Diving sessions take place every Friday night at Radley College and regular dive trips at Dorset and Wymouth. Uh, Alex Gibson, a scuba instructor at the club, said it's a pretty big deal to win this award. The club had won accolades because its members had raised 25,000 pounds to buy a new hard boat called Endeavor, which is moored permanently at Wymouth. The club had also successfully tri-dive program, snorkeling and scuba diving as part of their uh, club ran effectively together. So That sounds like a well-run dive club. Yeah. Uh, well, they had 100 members, and... Uh, you know, some of these trying dives, they had over 100 people. So they're, they're getting a lot in there. They said even though that they're primarily a dive club, they, they are very successful with the snorkel trips. And they're, they're planning on using that dive boat for both uh, their scuba snorkeling and technical diving trips. So I wonder if that picture of the guy in the front is just a part of it. Looks like a pretty nice boat. Yeah. That front looks a little bit like the front of Jim's boat. I was thinking that, except not with the rail. Yeah. Jim's boat. Jim's boat's probably nicer, though. What's that? I said your boat's probably nicer. Uh, I don't know about that. Mine's pretty old and beat up. Uh, it's just experience. It, it's it's where you don't feel too bad if you ding it with a weight. That's right. And then in Spain, uh, they have some sort of unknown creature. Another day, another deceased de- deceased sea monster. Wow. We have no idea of what it can be, but it smelled bad. The corpse of a mystery fish. Creature washed up on the beach in Spain, and nobody can figure out what the thing is. Uh, the word dragon has been thrown around. The decaying corpse, said to be 13 feet long, was forced to be buried due to health concerns. Uh, this robbed bile just to the chance to assure the public that it was really just an ugly shark or something. Now the conspiracy theory lives on. You would have thought somebody would have taken a little sample and put it in a jar. Yeah, because they could have done a DNA test and at least figured out kind of what it is. Yeah. Well, even if it's buried, they could still go and do that. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you knew where they buried it. I guess that's true. Well, you see, they 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 said that there were horns. I in that right hand picture. Yeah. You see them off to the right. Yeah, because they, they they it looks like they they rolled it over. Because on the left, you can see it. Yeah. It is an intriguing picture, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it seems to be scaly. If it kind of looks like a giant shrimp in a way, or an eel. <laughs> oh, I clicked on that other sea monster link. There's some different pictures. Additional. Oh, is there? <laughs> yeah, hang on. Let me look at the pictures there. Okay, I'm, I'm clicking on I'm following okay. the link, too. Yep, horn sea monster in Spain. Uh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, did they find the link? Montauk monster. And, they say, and there's an update where they say it's not an oarfish. Wow. Towards the bottom, they have some real live animals that look sort of like that. Interesting. Oh, uh, and then here at the bottom of one of the articles, it says uh, an expert in the matter, a Florida State University ichthyologist, Dean Grubbs, explained that the mysterious horn monster is not mysterious at all. He says it's definitely a fish skeleton. The elements towards the back were confusing me, but those are lower cordial fin supports. The horns are the scapicoloroids, but it sounds like like an old film or something, which support the pectoral fins. Ha. Huh. I get you know, in a way that kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, but it'd be neat. So they called it an oarfish? Well, somebody had, but he, they said it's definitely not an oarfish. He's saying it's a shark. Shark? Well, how do you explain the horns to the shark? Well, he's saying that's not, that's part of the the structure of the fins. So the horns are the scapulocorticoids. Boy, it's like they got a couple, four words all crammed together. They said well, they support the pectoral fins. So that there would have been, what you're doing is you're just seeing, if you imagine that, it's laying on its back. Yeah. So that would be some of the, the cartilage, uh, that would be part of the, the pectoral fins. Interesting. Now, it does kind of look I like something need to bring that up. I don't want to find that in Lake Michigan, though. No. Yeah, it no. looks like a big slimy mess to me. Yeah. yeah. Alive or dead, I don't need to see it. Yeah. And we have some Florida scuba diving. For those who just can't handle the the water we have up here, and can I get oh, no the river, river was off of water. 
Very nice. It was great in the river. I drove it in the three mil. Oh man, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that later in the show. In fact, that that may be our our video of the week. I haven't had a chance to view it, so we'll we'll get to that point. Now, come on, this article's not coming up. Uh, let me go on to the next one. Colonial shipwrecks is what you're looking at. Yeah, I was doing the one for uh, scuba diving in Florida Springs. Right, that, the pictures are pretty nice. Ooh, I like this one too. The next one is uh, Colonial Shipwrecks of Columbia. And what I liked about this is this is uh, they had the photo, shows them with a survey line, and they've also got a metal detector. And visibility. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because what would you say that visibility there is? Probably about 25 feet? I'd say that, yeah. Yeah. So this was National Geographic grantee in the Texas State University Research Facility, uh, Frederick Fritz Henselman and a top team of archaeologists from Columbia and the United States are leading an expedition to locate and document historic shipwrecks off the Caribbean coast of Columbia. Uh, they said, once an area of the survey grid had been thoroughly covered with a magnetometer, diver surveyed is required in order to ground truth or search for what gives off signature recorded by the magnetometer. While Bert and Andres continued to mag survey with other sections of the area, Chris, Juan, and uh, uh, Fritz, began diving the anomalies that were mapped with the GPS. They positioned themselves as close as possible to the waypoint. They then dropped a weight buoy to the seafloor, which they used as a base for visual survey. They then attached a line to the buoy, which was used to conduct a circle search general area where the anomaly is located. And then divers are spaced along the line depending on the visibility. This means it's better to visibility the farther apart the divers can be. So that's what we're seeing there is they're going yep. around that buoy. I wonder how deep you are because they're saying dives don't last longer than 10 to 20 minutes. I wonder if that's – well, remember when we were doing the surveys that one time where it was uh, Jim Kleeman, you, and myself, where we went out? And that seemed to be about what it took at a maximum length of the line to do a full circle it was about 10 to 20 minutes. So I wonder if that's what they mean more than they don't stay down that long. It's that's how long it takes them to do the loop. Yeah. said, even though we didn't find anything historic, there's a strong desire to return for more work. At the end of the day, it is sad – it is said that we had a lot of fun, and there's one of the reasons a lot of us became archaeologists. We never grow up because we never stop having fun. Talking archaeology, they're having a free class. I'll have to get the details, but it's uh, on the surveys they're doing in Niles and some of the water work they're doing for archaeology. It's a free class, two-hour class. Might be fun to go to. Where is this? Uh, it's going to be down in Niles. I saw it in the paper today. I was looking for free classes and things like that, and that was uh, one of the free ones was the archaeology one. I'll look that up, and I'll tell you about it next month or next next week. Yeah, I, I would certainly uh, sign up for that if they got a free class on it. They're also doing a uh, kayak-slash-canoe trip around Pawpaw, identifying the historical areas around Pawpaw. I mean, I pretty much know them, but I'm thinking about doing that one myself again. Well, I had to listen real clo closely. You said kayak slash canoe and i thought you said kayak and nude trip that's the nighttime one the daytime one's got to be closed <laughs> it's co-ed so it could be interesting <laughs> maybe we could suggest a, a curriculum for them yeah, i'll have to wear a run naked t-shirt i have one of those but that's a different story we can talk about that on another day <laughs> well, well here's here here's people we typically don't want to see naked we have politicians uh, who are scuba diving, which I always think is good for them because with a regular in their mouth, their lips don't move as much. Uh, Michigan Governor <laughs> Rick Snyder completes pure Michigan scuba diving, explores Lake Huron shipwreck. He did that this Tuesday, which was two days ago. Snyder, who's a certified scuba diver, put his skills to use as he explored the Mono Hanset, a double-decker wooden barge that sunk in Lake Huron back in 1907. The shipwreck is located in Thunder Bay Marine Sanctuary off the coast near Alpena. This is just a fabulous asset for our state of Michigan, Snyder told reporters before he jumped in at 11.15 a.m. There are literally dozens of shipwrecks down here, and that's part of the doing this exercise, to show Pure Michigan and how great we are. We have people coming from all over the world to come here, visit, and dive. So, excellent. Yeah, if we could just get a better Pure Michigan commercial out of it. Well, that's what I was thinking when I saw this, is that they need to uh, do a Pure Michigan you know, some, some commercials specifically aimed yeah. at scuba diving. Yeah. I, I'd play them on this show. 
Let's see. I was trying to see if there's anything else you said. Uh, here was a tough situation. You had a wooden boat carrying coal and it caught fire. That's not a formula for success. Fortunately, the crew got off safely or taken off the ship and they couldn't get the fire totally out. And then another local news here in Michigan is we have the welcome replica may become a scuba area. This one's added through Boygan News, which we'll be heading up to here in a couple of weeks. They said the original welcome lies somewhere in the Straits of Mackinac. Now the reconstructed welcome replica that was used to sail out of Mackinac City could become a diving attraction in Grand Traverse Bay. Long list of titles worn by the replica of the well of the uh, arm sloop welcome may rest in being purposely sunk as its last employment. The ship began as an exhibit for the Mackinac State Historic Parks, became an actual sailing vessel, and was eventually abandoned during the maintenance cost before being donated to a maritime preserve group. The Marine Heritage, or the Maritime Heritage Alliance Board of Traverse City, Michigan, is seeking a state permit to sink the deteriorating ship and asked the Grand Traverse Bay Underwater Preserve Council to find a place for it. The Traverse City Record Eagle reported the story published on Wednesday. The Mackinac Island State Park Commission held the replica constructed over several years, leading to the American Bicentennial Celebration in 1976. The idea was to have a boat building display in progress so visitors could enjoy watching the construction by old-fashioned methods. Then the ship was put in the water, and problems began. Although the Mackinac State Hoporks, uh, Historic Parks... Okay, now it's froze up here. Let me... Uh, oh... I can't scroll down on the page. This is great. Well, originally it was supposed to be a dockside tour. They weren't going to truly sail it. And then after they got it built, they felt they could, so they started sailing it, but they pulled it out of the water every year. And one of the worst things for a wooden boat is to go through wet dry cycles. Ah. Uh. And so it eventually started to rot. And then the cost to maintain it became way too high, so they pretty much abandoned it and then sold it to a museum for a dollar. And they were to hope to restore it, but when they got into it and realized what all the work they'd have to do and everything else, it uh, it's really cost prohibitive. So now they're hoping to give it one last life as a dive platform. Yeah, they said they'd like to see it happen. It would be a great thing for this area if there would be no downside to it at all. I think the challenge would be finding a place that creates the greatest amount of accessibility without creating a hazard. It needs to be shallow enough to be accessible to all divers with maybe 20 feet of relief. If it was in 45 to 50 feet of water, it would be well within the range of many divers' abilities. Have you ever seen that boat before in that ship? I think I have. I, I probably was up there... Uh, about that time, 76, 78. I've got to look for some pictures uh, up there. I've got pictures when my kids were little and w when they were building that. Originally, they were using actual equipment and tools of the day to build it. And uh, we got on it before they just before they completed it. And I think I have a picture of it. And that is still, that would, that would be like having the Friends Goodwill sunk. Yeah. Kind of boat, and it would be really cool to have that. Well, that's Welcome and Friends Goodwill are the only uh, topsail sloops in the area, uh, being one mast with a topsail. So Now, was that topsail pretty typical? Uh, yeah, it was for the time. It looks pretty. Now, that, now how, that bears to, uh, the question, how's, how's the Friends Goodwill doing? Friends Goodwill is doing very well. They're over in Canada uh, on their Great Lakes tour and uh, still in Lake Huron, and we'll be heading out of there later on this week to continue working the way south down in the Lake Erie. So, so nobody sink it. We, we, we call dibs. <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah, well, if it, if it makes it as long as this one. Now, how, how long would a sailing vessel of the day have lasted? Typical sailing vessel in that time and through the early 1800s lasted about 15 to 20 years before they were um, too worn out to rebuild. And many times they turned into uh, barges. They would take the rigging off, salvage what they could from that, and then just uh, 
tow them behind steamships as a barge. Yeah, so so really, it, the welcome didn't do too bad, considering it wasn't maintained ideally. That's yeah, been around a long time. So let's see, what does that put? That puts it over 30 years old, but 35? Yeah, I think it's in that era, because my kids were, were a little small at that time. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to... I, I can't remember real well, but because I was probably, you know, 8 to 12 when I was up there. I have to look at some photos and see if we see it, but... I'd go up and dive that sucker. That that would definitely, mm-hmm. I think that would put Traverse City on a annual dive list for me if they had that. I'm not sure about annual, but for sure. I just showed you, though, that if you put a good boat out there, people will come. Yep, if you build, if you sink it, they will come. Well, now, see, that where they're talking the depth, they're going to have to take that mast off, aren't they? Yeah. No, leave it there. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking is, like, I would like to see, and I know they could, would it be appropriate to tie the mast down, like tip the boat over? Because to me, that'd be part of the attractiveness of it would be to see all the rigging and... Well, the rigging's certainly not going to last, not unless they made it all wire. And it'd be a that snack hazard. a few years. Yeah. And it certainly wouldn't make a uh, very dangerous dive with all those lines around. Yeah, so they, yeah, they're probably going to take all that off, unfortunately. So if they strip it and then the other pieces, they'll probably have to make some modifications internally so that it reduces the entrapment or entanglement hazard if you make a penetration. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it would certainly make a nice attraction. Certainly would be. So we'll have to see. Well, it'll be nice for them to blaze the trail because this will clearly, this will clear up some of the considerations because there, there's been a couple ships sunk since they put the preserve law hasn't there been uh i i don't know i think there I was one, one or the other I, I think thunder bay or, there was one of the preserves up there maybe it was in the canadian side but they had a a couple one or two ships that had been sunk and i think that that may have been before the preserves so there'll be something to watch well that does it for scuba in the news we have some potentially cool scuba gear about three, we- three weeks worth all kind of stacked up here. First one is a, uh, I think we call that a newt suit. What did you say, Mac? Uh, the one that you had, uh, let me go back to that real quick. Sorry about that. Yeah, exosuit <laughs> opens up the new depth to divers. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's not a, that's a, not an uncommon design. Uh, back in the, in the day, keep going back that far. Uh, we call it, there's a gym suit that looks just like that or quite similar to it, and it's one atmosphere. The advantage, of course, is I can go down to whatever depth or it comes straight back up and I have to worry too much. Yeah, this, this company, let's see what their name is, yeah, Newtco, is best known for their 2,000-foot uh, microsubs, which are single and double pilot submersibles. But this looks to be a, well, they're calling a 1,000-foot exosuit. Yeah, is, is, that called, is that a newt suit? I, I think so. I think it's that same company. Okay, because the new first new came out in 1987. Yeah. And the gym suit came out in 1969. Yeah, because they had the newt suit, and then they also make the newt sub, which they show if you scroll down farther, you can see the photos. Mm-hmm. So this looks like they're calling this an exosuit, which I don't know. Well, how is this different than the original newt suit? Or are they just rebranding it? Uh, it says it's uh, it's neutrally buoyant umbilical cord that delivers its power and stretches uh, 1,250 feet. I know the Navy uses what they call the uh, ADS-2000. That's why that they're currently using. They've been using that since 1997. And again, that looks very similar, too. Uh, one of the gentlemen who made the first suits like that, uh, I mean, you're talking, there's one back in, in the in the museum in, in Paris that was made in 1880, 1880, 1882. So it looks like a space suit. That's the one where they've got all the ports on the the mask? Yes, and the helmet and a bar around it. Yeah. Well, uh, the gentleman I took my commercial diving, uh, Captain Al Micklow, and he actually invented one of the first metal articulated suits that were actually used. I used to have that on on display in in his office. So these have been around a while. And even looking at the, 19, the 1882 one, man, the similarities are are there. It's just the different composite materials. 
the electronics, the scrubbers. Yeah, because some of those those early ones were all using uh, closed circuit. Um, actually, the ones we had, the gym suit and all that, is not. They had like a scrubber system on them if you lost your lines. But uh, surface air is always great. <laughs> Well, if that suit isn't exciting enough for you, you could do what the uh, Red Bull co-founder did, which is buy the underwater plane for uh, a measly $1.7 million. Petty cash. Yeah. For him. That's what he shelled out to buy the Deep Flight Super Falcon Extreme Submarine. It has adjustable wings that permit the submersible to glide through the water like an airplane through the skies. And and we've talked about this before. This is the same vessel that uh, Branson has at his resort which costs you about $4,000 a night, which you get access to the sub. It's able to reach depths of about 400 feet. It can propel itself at four knots. Two-hour ride costs guests who happen to be at that resort $1,700. And then if you just want to talk to each other, there's a scuba tone, which they've dug up some old technology that was used in telephones in the days before they even had rotary dials, landline tech from 1963, oceanographers and scientists from NASA, the California Academy of Sciences, University of California, Santa Cruz, and other institutions gathered to find out how to improve the current tools of choice for marine researchers. They were trying to eliminate the waterproof pencil and paper. The event was hosted by iDive, which is launching an underwater iPad housing this fall. The company is founded by marine biologists, technically oriented from the research lab in Saudi Arabia, founded by the King. The winning team of four, all with science and technology backgrounds, including a 15-year-old developer, came up with Scuba Tone, an iPad app that relies on old-school technology created by AT&T in 63, called Dual Tone Multi-Frequency Signaling, or DTMF for short. It was invented 50 years ago before the lines had rotary disks. It's nothing more than sounds of a telephone makes when you press the different buttons. Each one sends a signal composed of two different frequencies. So if you look at the app there, they have messages that have been pre-selected. And when you select it and say, uh, basically, when you move to a position, it starts transmitting. And you have the option to say stop. So it just repeats it over and over and over again. So it seems, seems pretty basic. It has 16 signals. And they're on different bands, so they don't interfere with each other. Did they say how much? Well, they don't, but you got to look at, you know, who, why did this become an article and who's paying for it? And I'm guessing the company who's making this iDive housing. So you've got the housing, and I'm sure a housing for an iPad is going to cost you, what, 200 to $800? I know it's a wide range, but I couldn't see it being any less than 200 So let's see. Do they talk about what technology it's using? Uh, when transmitted on a boat by a hydrophone and underwater microphone, cruise members can use it to send messages to faraway divers. Since a boat is not limited by iPad battery, it can send a very strong signal. Noting sounds could potentially reach thousands of meters below sea surface, which exceeds the iDive's 100-foot submersible housing rating. As I said, theoretical range of more than 300 feet in all directions underwater. So I'm... Yeah, they don't say. I'm, I'm bet they're... they're They'll get a couple more hundred dollars for it. Yeah. Unless it just uses the speakers. They they give you the frequencies in the in the uh, photo. Uh, was that uh, six nine seven hertz? The second frequency was one four seven seven hertz. So fairly low range. And then we have some photos of the week. We have twenty amazing underwater sculptures. And normally, unfortunately, with nobody in the chat room, they can't get to see this. So uh, I've got to I've got to get some time set up and get caught up on the show notes so you can follow along. But uh, some of these you've seen, uh, the, those in Mexico. There's one where they've got a Steinway, which is an underwater piano. Let's see, where's that one at? They don't say. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Almost looks like either stainless steel or aluminum, doesn't it? It does. It, it looks shiny. I, I can't tell if it's intentional. You never know. That could have been for uh, a movie or something. 
I like that one where it's the the uh, they've got some ceramic looks like steps with flower pots in the middle of a seaweed bed. That's the kind of stuff that gets lost and thousand years from now somebody rediscovers it and tries to make up why it's there and the civilization that made it and the meaning of life. Yeah. Well this is the type of stuff if we can't get permission to sink a boat, I would love to have an area, you know, four hundred feet by fifty feet where we could put something like this down. Like they have the one with a guy sitting on a, a couch watching a TV. Some some of the others, many of these you've seen in, in articles before. Yeah. Uh, underwater rider, and then laying on a vehicle. So, some cool photos. And then I have to say, if you haven't had a chance to go to the Mud Club site, you want to go and do that. Mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. And those are unbelievable photos that you guys took. Now, wh- whose photo is that? Is that yours, Mac? The one summer diving at its best? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I think so. But Jim, Jim and I are out. I think and, we both. Uh, Jim's got a two, we well, about a minute and a half video. Yeah, let's, let's jump to the video. Let me see if I can find that. Um, I know you've got it on Facebook and it's on YouTube. Let's see. Sometimes it gets to be hard to club. find. It's Mud Club Facebook site. It's a Mud Club Facebook. Okay, I'm going there. Fish and chips. And we should be able to go over the current one, but they seem to like the Facebook one. And we'll see more stuff on Facebook from outsiders than we do on our own. I don't know why that is. Well, it's because people can, they don't have to go anywhere else. So what I think we should do is when you post something on Facebook, also put the link in the article that to the Mug Club site. Because we can do more on our own site. Yeah. But gosh, what was that viz? Looking at that oh, video. Oh, better than 20 feet. Uh, very, uh, very good. Yeah, probably about 30 feet. Yeah, now, uh, yeah, look, what I'm going to do on this one, right here, I'm going to hit pause. And for people who hear this tomorrow, let me go to, I'm going to click on embed. And I'm going to add this code. I'm going to add this actually to the Mud Club site, this video. Now, is that to, is this video from the day, Jim? Uh, from yesterday. Yesterday. So is that the summertime diving at its best? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add that to the end of that article. Oh, i got to log in. Here. Here we go. But I haven't been in there for a little bit. This makes for incredibly great radio, me editing posts. But I want to make, make sure everybody can go and, and watch it. So... You know, put it on the fresh mud under the diving net is best. No, actually, what I did is I just added it to the. Uh, yeah, to, I, I added it to the. If you refresh that article now, you can see the video. Oh darn it! I, I, I maybe I need to edit that. It's a little big. Here we'll do the next size down. Here we go. We replace that. That should be a better size. There you go, I see it. Yep, there it is. Yep. But that is amazingly clear. And the fish, they look like they were having a great time. Well, I've been out there and I sort of feed them. So when you get in the water now, they expect to be fed. What do you you mean when when you say feed them? Are they just taking what you stir up? Well, if you take a can of cheese whiz with you, <laughs> those guys, they get, they, they sort of, it's tenuous, but when they find out that it's good, and then once you get down there, you don't need to. All you do is just kick around a little bit and get up a crayfish once in a while, toss it out, and man, they're your buddies, let me tell you. Yeah, I, I'm used to, you know, one or two at a distance, but yeah, you've got, you've got them pretty well trained now. <laughs> No, they will come right there at you. You can you can almost touch them because they know you're moving sticks and stuff out of the way. And a couple of the big yeah. ones get there, and they will beat off the little fish to get in there first. Yeah, and I've I've had a few where I've I've knocked up a crawdad, and they hit that right away. Oh man, big time! You can understand how fishing bait works when you see them go after something like that. That's how they survive: is it is snacking on something right away. So awesome photos. And if you're not river diving, 
Now, Jim, do you have a lot of raw video footage? Uh, I've got an hour and 20 minutes of raw video footage, all from one dive. I need to, I'd love to get that footage for some of that stuff we had talked about working on. Yep, no problem. So uh, I've got some uh, hard drives that we can, about how big a, a file is it? It's broken into about four different files. Okay. The camera cuts it up when it gets too big for the oh, okay. drive. So very. Yeah, I had a hot, an hour and twenty minutes uh, straight dive, um, nonstop, just anywhere. Darren, do you recognize Darren, you recognize With the spot? Yeah, I was going to say you noticed that hood of the car over to the right. Oh yeah, I definitely recognize that. Yeah. That's the one uh, the listeners of the show can remember. Many times ago, we said, I, I think that's a car. Well, that's what we saw. Yeah. Well, we dug out the back of it. I think Larry was saying it looked like there used to be a rumple seat. So if that's a rumble seat back there, we figured that's uh, before 1939. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought when I first, when I kind of saw it, because there used to be junk kind of piled in it. Yeah. And then I think we probably added to it as we were filtering through the bottom. Because it, it kind of looked like a container, and I can remember seeing the shape going, you know what? This looks like a car. Yeah, the, the gang box and the other items are still down there, but they're further downstream in different locations. Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to getting in the water this weekend. We've got our Mud Club annual picnic, and hopefully today's rain didn't mess, isn't going to mess that up. It's, gonna, it's not going to be as clear as you had. But even if you did a drift dive down the middle and you get it on the surface, that would still be fun. Oh, it'll definitely be fun. Or get in where the picnic is and go all the way down under the railroad bridge and get out at Merrimont. Yeah, we, we we should. Now, do we have a spot where we're going to do the picnic? Is it going to be right there behind the the movie studio? The movie. Yeah, uh, that's where we did because you had shade and everything, and the boat launch for canoes is right there. Yeah, well, I was thinking the boat launch also might be good for getting out. Uh, if you went upstream and got in at the other launch, yeah. you could get out there, or go in there and get out at Merrimont. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. And if you just snorkeled it, take your flag with you, then you wouldn't need your gear. It would be easy to get in. One car could take a bunch of people up, and they could just drift back on down to the uh, picnic area. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be good. Now, that, that video kind of puts the one I found to shame. Did you see that that one? The uh, Let me paste it. I'll give it to you in Skype. I did... And not necessarily scuba diving related, but the building of a sinkhole. That's a short little video, uh, about three minutes long. But uh, this was uh, an inspector who was there, and they were they're monitoring the sinkhole. So he's out there, and he, he he thought he saw the trees starting to lean a little bit. So he had his video camera on, and you could see the sinkhole forming. That's pretty awesome. And fast. Uh, water doesn't look very clear. I'd be very concerned of where I was standing. Yeah. Yeah, to get the good shot, you might not be in the right spot. Yeah, if it's going to set that tree lying down, I don't know if I want to be around there. I uh, said so this uh, sinkhole started forming just a little over a year ago, and they said it may never stop expanding. That would have been really sucky to be in a diving about that time yeah <laughs> so they called that one slowing in well if you survive getting sucked down there it's like you know you ain't got a chance that would be awesome that would be awful yeah so they make that area off limits they don't say, but if you, it looked like they had some sort of boom around it, didn't they? Yeah. Because there was I'm one spot. Looking at that. Because there's one of these spots where it was originally a mining company, and they were doing something, and they contributed to making the ground underneath it unstable and it enlarged. So. Like taking the water out for drinking, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I could do it too. Florida has got a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah. These these things happen quite a bit down there. There's there's been quite a few of them in the in the news the last six months. But yeah, you would not want to be underwater when one of these happened. So so that does it for scuba in the news. 
and we'll get on to talking about diving. I want to hear more about what you guys have been getting into. So you had uh, probably since the last show, uh, didn't you do the Havana? Hmm, three weeks. Let's see. Right. Well, Havana's been dove a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, we did the uh, since last show. We've done the Muskegon like Ann Arbor twice. Five again. We made two trips down to the Muskegon. Yes, the Muskegon and, and the, the, river. the river. Yep. So, so the the Muskegon is the old sand sucker, and we tend to do that one earlier in the year. We haven't now, Jim. That was your first time on that wreck, wasn't it? Yes. So, what were your thoughts? Very interesting. You're not going to have great visibility because it's so shallow. But it's a sand bottom and lots of machinery, uh, lots to explore. You know, there's great places there to just dig if you were so inclined to do that. So I thought it was a pretty, very interesting wreck. I'll be going back to it a few more times. Yeah, it's a nice one. And then I'm, uh, did you also get to do the break wall? Yes, did the break wall both times. That's a fun dive to check out fish and do a little drifting. Yeah, because there's, there's usually... Now, was there any non-fish objects in the wall? Uh, there was some driftwood and things like that at the the breakwater. Yeah, because it, it seems like, uh, and, and maybe Mac, you remember, when we went uh, east on that wall, there mm-hmm. was a jet ski and a mast. The yeah, jet ski is still there. Right, but the, uh, the fiberglass body on it is now gone from last year. And the aluminum sailing mast, the, the two... Major sections, those have been removed or salvaged. Okay. Yeah, a little little bit of aluminum there for somebody. Oh, yeah. High-quality aluminum and fittings. Yeah. But on Muskegon, we both wound up, even last time, with anchors that people have lost in the wreck. Yep. You know, and I'm, I'm always amazed at anchors on that wreck because why are people anchoring? They don't realize it's there, maybe? Yeah, I guess if you're just – because it's, it's close enough to shore where if you just wanted to – anchor and swim you could do it but there's always every time we've dove on it there's always two or three new anchors on it hey fine with me yeah it's good for us anytime you want to leave 20 foot of rope a link of chain and a nice sand anchor i'll take it yeah yeah so i don't think anybody in the dive club ever has to buy an anchor now uh let's see what else what other diving have you been in pawpaw recently uh, have not been in Papa. A couple of guys have. Uh, the visibility sucks. Uh, for whatever reason, it's almost like you got tannic acid out there. Actually, I have been out there. Um, five foot visibility. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's got a, a, almost like a tannic acid tint to it. The reeds are down great. So if you're mucking in five and six feet, don't make any difference on the viz. Uh, you don't have the reeds to contend with, which is really, really nice. Uh, Lake 16 has been frequented quite a bit. We've had some guys get on that. Uh, and see, we've got Lake, the Lake in Augusta. That was a Braille dive because that's dark. This day uh, was the uh, one at Fort Custer. That's the one that's got the eluded, but it's still looking for airplane and tank. And as of last dive meeting, that Humvee. Yeah, somebody said there's a Humvee that they never recovered that's in that lake. All right, so uh, those are a couple there. Uh, we've got Muddy's dive in that. I just been spending a lot of time in the Niles. Niles River. Well, it's so close to home, and there's there's so much to find there. Well, you you figure Muskegon, the board, the breakwater, the Havana, uh, Max Wreck. Uh, it's you know why it goes somewhere else. I ain't got plenty yeah. of stuff to do. But you figure talk to us in about two weeks, and we'll blow you away. Yeah, we'll we'll have a, we'll have a whole bunch more. Now, I did okay. take dive gear with me to Missouri. I didn't get a chance to dive, but I took it because I knew if I didn't, then I would have the opportunity. So. Volunteer mine. That's down in Missouri. That's it's. I I never got within seven hours of it. <laughs> and you don't got to take your tank because you can run from them. Yeah, yeah. Because that's uh, yeah, I, from where I am here to where I went in Missouri was seven hours. From here to Bonterra, seven hours, and from Bonterra to that spot in Missouri is seven hours. So it's like I don't. I, it's it's like I'm traveling in an arc. It seems like, but I, I think I think Bonterra needs to be on our dive list for. Uh, uh, late January, early February dive. Yeah, it's a good time to go if the weather's not bad to drive out to it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that one's going to be on my list. I I want to go and do it. Uh, it's nice to have done it at least once so you can say you dove for the billion gallon lake or uh, the mine. 
And if, if it's good enough for Cousteau, it's good enough for us. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't he didn't think it was so bad that he wouldn't dive it. No, I got a video of it. You got a video of what him diving it? No, no, no. Bob Termai. I've I've been on I think trail fourteen's the last one I've been on there. Oh, so you went must have went more than a couple times. Oh yeah. But you're talking God, you're talking twenty years ago. Well they say it hasn't Wasn't changed quite, much. The platform, the last time we got, we went there, was really nice, better than what we had before. But you still got to haul your gear up, and as you get older, that damn, those steps get a little bit weary. Yeah, they, they don't have any Sherpas for you? No. I mean, I'd hire some 18-year-old kid to carry my gear up if they would. Yeah, the I, funny I, part I, is they got a line chat with a pulley and stuff. They can make an elevator. I'd gladly pay 5 bucks on my gear up and down. They're missing an opportunity for some money there. They are. Yeah, I, I, Not I, to mention I, the Yeah, we we need to. I, I thought about having my son come with us when we go down there, but I think he's getting kind of wise to the we, – we we put him to work each time. <laughs> so some excellent diving. If, you, if you're not getting out, I mean, the summer's – gosh, how many days do we have left? Seven, walking down. It's winding no, down. We know it's going to be, you know, back to school time and be tied up with the uh, other activities for fall. So get that summer diving in. Yeah, we did get up a little bit. We I, I went and gave a presentation at the Lakeshore Rotary, and uh, they enjoyed listening about the what lies beneath. And then I wound up giving one uh, the other day at the Benton Harbor one, the Morning Rotary Club, and had. Uh, Dan Faulkner, he showed up with me, his moral support, and they enjoyed it also. It was a little unusual presentation for them because they're more service-oriented, but it was a good diversion from the aspect they wanted to know what was going on in the area on shipwrecks and what the preservation aspect looked like. So we tried to give them some, some update and information. Found out that four or five of the members, including the president of the Rotary Club, had been on our site looking at it. And one of them wants to go ahead and join. Well, good. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good group to connect into. Well, or they could connect with us. But <laughs> yeah. So it's been, a, it's been a good month. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Well, if you, as always, we'd like everybody to follow us on our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. I'm going to get some show notes up there, so it, it is getting a little bit stale. You can follow all, a lot of what the dive club's doing at mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. Lots of activity there. We have Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. And then we're on Twitter, at scubaobsessed on Twitter. Uh, we're also on uh, Google+. Plus. I need to do more with that. Let's see. You got anything to plug, Jim? Not at the moment. Not at the moment. Make make sure that you're subscribed to us on uh, if you you listen to us through iTunes, do that. Oh, let's see. I think I had uh and and if you could drop us a line tell us where you listen. We did get some responses. I'll I'll cover those next week if I remember. Well, we'll read some of those responses we had for people explaining to us how they were listening to the show, which we appreciate those who've sent it. If you haven't, just drop us a line at the show at scubaobsessed.com and that will get routed to us and we can Find out how you're listening, and also if there's anything you want to see, anything anybody you want us to interview. I, I need to get back in the interviews. I've been real lazy on calling people up for those. Gosh, it always feels like at this time of the show, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Well, I, I know you have not forgotten. No, I don't. I haven't forgotten that. Okay. Yeah, it, it's 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 there. Let me let me bring it up. So, are you, are you think you guys are ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, so so here we go. A senior citizen scuba diver drove his brand new Corvette convertible out of the dealership. Taking off down the road, he floored it to 80 miles an hour, enjoying the wind blowing in his hair. Amazing, he thought as he flew down I-94, pushing the pedal even more. Looking in his rearview mirror, he saw a state trooper behind him, lights flashing and siren blaring. He floored it to 100 miles an hour, then to 110, and then 120. Suddenly he thought, what am I doing? I'm too old for this. He pulled over to wait for the trooper's arrival. Pulling behind him, the trooper walked up to the Corvette, looked at his watch, and said, Sir, my shift ends in 30 minutes. This is Friday. If you can give me a, a good excuse, then I'll let you go. 
The old gentleman paused. He said, Years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper. I thought you were bringing her back. Have a good day, sir, he replies as he walks away. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, some somebody shared that with me. I can't. I can't remember who it is. The the guilty shall remain nameless. That's good. Got a, got a quick question. What was the podcast number tonight? The number is one sixty nine. I I'm on the philipsus.com. Uh huh. I only see one hundred fifty nine, and that's what got me curious. How many are on there? Well, the most current one says one hundred fifty nine. Yeah, so we're, we're about 10 behind. Only, only. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was maybe I'd say, oh, my God, Twilight Zone. Something <laughs> no, we were keeping up real good. And uh, then they got behind, and then I took a weekend, and I caught up six. But I think we've done seven since I caught up those six. So. Okay. Uh, well, we're just, it's it's, it's too good a weather to be sitting at a computer when you don't have to. Oh, all right. Should be getting some diving in. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And have fun. Yeah, you gotta have that one, don't you? Yeah, it sure do. Absolutely. Well, that sucks that talk shoe wasn't working. Miss the chat room for sure. Yeah.